0: Good morning. It's good to be with you all. Um, Ann and Jared are not here, which means that I can openly rub in their face that the Cougars won yesterday. <laughs> really, hey, I don't really care about sports that much, but when you get to rub it in your boss's face, like, that's just an opportunity you can't miss. So I'm really proud of that. Uh, I had to mention that this morning. Um, Two weeks ago, you know that Jared started um, the series on the Holy Ghost stories, right? Very fitting for the month of October. And uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and he laid a really solid foundation that I want to remind us as we zoom in a little more um, from the macro. He, he said, quote, the Holy Spirit is uncontainable and far bigger than our theologies. We learned from him that the Holy Spirit saves, sanctifies, and empowers, and each of our our three messages are, are around that. And today, I get the fancy word of sanctification to talk about. We're going to go from the Holy Spirit being out here, which is what Jared talked about last week, to the Holy Spirit in here. What happens when we internalize the Holy Spirit? I had an experience uh, just by buying carpet. Uh, or shopping for carpet a couple of weeks ago, there, you've heard the verb adulting, that felt like the ultimate like adulting right there. Um, my husband and I uh, have been living in our house for three years and the carpet's original to the home from like 1999. We have two massive dogs that go upstairs with us every night and so the carpet's disgusting. <laughs> so it's time to replace it. And so I started to go to these different places and get bids and there's this one gal, very helpful, very sweet, And we finally go to sit down, and she gets all of my information, right, because she wants to follow up. And she says, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do for a living? And, you know, you've heard this probably from every pastor up here that always, like, we hold our breath inside, like, ugh. But can I just say, there's one great advantage to being a female pastor. They're never threatened by you. (laughs) They are never threatened. In fact, it's actually, like, cool for some people, and so they're kind of endeared to you. So I will say that's pretty awesome. So I said, actually, I'm a pastor, and being a young pastor is even more, like, out there, right? So they were like, she goes, oh, my gosh, I... I can totally, you have that vibe, like I can totally see that about you, and I'm thinking, I hope it's a good good vibe, um, <laughs> but I, I got all things pointed to yes, that she thought I was a great person, she was so sweet, she's like, where do you pastor, and I told her, and I was thinking about that experience as I talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, and I, I've had some of those experiences before, when I've just been in the grocery line, and I had someone ask me, they were like, you follow Jesus, don't you, and they were a fellow, I was like, yeah, So there's something that happens inside of us that we can't always explain. And I'm not telling you that story this morning to pat myself on the back like, aren't I a good Christian? But to say that the Holy Spirit exudes from us. There's something that happens in the spiritual realm that we can't take credit for when we are operating in the full gifts and the full power of the Holy Spirit. People are drawn to us People sense something different about us. And that's what I hope that you will receive this morning. Um, That's the ultimate takeaway, is to receive the Holy Spirit and all of his goodness and his fullness and his power and his gifts. So that people will begin to ask, what's different about you? So this word sanctification, if you are a words person, this doesn't scare you. Um, but for some people, words are, big words are intimidating, and they just shut down, <laughs> and that's like me looking at numbers. Long numbers scare me, and I shut down, so this morning, I hope that if you're not a words person, you'll be able to get some really, I've got some fun metaphors for us, for us this morning to help you internalize and remember what this word means. It's an irrelevant word. It's not a word that you hear out in society, out in culture ever. It's a very churchy word, but it's a churchy word that is important. It's a churchy word that might be irrelevant out there, but it is a very relevant reality in our Christian walk. Because I'm pregnant, I've been hearing a lot of medical terms lately. I'm learning a lot of new fancy big words that I don't like and I don't wanna know about. Um, you all get this morning to hear about a big fancy word that you may not like (laughs) and you may not want to know about. But hopefully you can go along on the journey. Sanctification is simply this. If you look on your outline, which I believe this is the first time I've ever done an outline in the history of Evergreen, so you're welcome or ignore it. I personally hate outlines, so this is a gift for whoever loves them. Um, Sanctification is this, the moment-by-moment process by which we increasingly submit our hearts, minds, and bodies to follow Jesus. I love words so much that I couldn't pick just one definition, so I gave you another option if you like this one better. An inward spiritual process, again that word process, where God brings about holiness and change in the life of a Christian By means of the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple words I want to point out, why the particular words that I chose to underline, I want to explain that to you. Process. You're going to find out this morning, if you don't already know, that becoming like Jesus is a process. It is not something that happens overnight. It is a process that we are in until the day that we meet him face to face, and that is sanctification. The other thing that I want to point out is this idea that sanctification takes place in the heart of a Christian. So, this morning, if you have not dedicated your life to Christ, you'll get an opportunity to do that at the end of this message. You're going to learn real quick that in order to be sanctified, you have to be saved first. It's not possible to be sanctified without saying yes to Jesus. Being saved is the start. Of the race. And then sanctification is the process along the way. It's the miles that we continue to run along the way. One of the the things that I love um, to think about is that we really can't be made holy without the Holy Spirit. And that's on your outline as well. We cannot be made holy without the Holy Spirit. We cannot change without having the Holy Spirit live in us. It's not by our own will, it's not by our own effort. You know, there's a great illustration that I I saw. I've got my Play-Doh here. A preacher named Joyce Meyer did this, and I just loved it. I could have shown it to you on a YouTube video, but I thought I better do it myself. So this is just some good old-fashioned Play-Doh, and this represents you, and it represents me, and it represents all of us, okay? This is the Play-Doh, and this is who we are, and we come, and all of a sudden, we hear about this man named Jesus, well, Jesus right there fits just nicely in my hand, just the way I like him. Okay? And Jesus meets up with us, right? Here we are. Here's Jesus. And what happens when he meets up with us? See, not all of us fits in to all of Jesus, and for a very good reason. There are parts all of a sudden that need to be cut off, and it hurts, right? ow, ow. Right? It's painful. It peels away. But you know what's left in the process is a mirror image of God. And that's really the process of sanctification right there. Becoming more and more like Jesus. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. We're going to read that this morning. I'm going to let you know, I'm warning you now, this is a scripture heavy message. (laughs) I wanted to get rid, in fact, I did get rid of a verse from the last service because it was, it was just too much, but I, I was apologizing all over myself to the media people because I'm not usually that person, and sweet, sweet Jason was like, so basically, you're a pastor. You can't pick which verse of the Bible you want to use. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So you're going you're gonna to get to read a bunch of scripture with me this morning. It says in John chapter 15, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that'll be even more fruitful, right? The pruning that was happening with the Plato here. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you... In order for us to be molded, we have to be connected. That's what we learn from the scripture. We have to be connected. We have to be connected to the vine. We are merely the branch. After we're saved, we, if you've had that encounter with God, you recognize all of a sudden your, your blinders kind of come off and you recognize that there is this battle being waged within ourselves. The battle between our old sin nature and our new, fresh nature. The battle between sin and between the Holy Spirit, and this is where a lot of people give up and they drop out. They leave Jesus and they move on. They say, yep, I got the golden ticket, I'm gonna get into heaven, but after that, it's like, sayonara. There are some branches who don't bear any fruit. And that's what the scripture is showing us. And there are people who are saved but they don't have anything to show for it. They're dead branches. We obviously live in a beautiful area that is filled with vineyards and and great wine, and so the Willamette Valley has all kinds of options. And I was on OregonWinePress.com. You don't need to ask why. I just was. And uh, this particular uh, article was really fascinating, and it talked about the sap, You see, sap, as shown in this photo, is not found in every plant, but it is found in grapes. And I don't think that that is just a coincidence in this metaphor that Jesus chose to use. The bleeding, as they call it, when when you cut open the branch and you see all this sap coming out, it has tons of positive benefits to the vine, and it assists in getting ready for the spring buds and growth. Well, it turns out that the soil right here in the Willamette Valley is prime for providing an environment where the veins, the vine's veins fill up with this sap. And as you probably have guessed, I'm gonna make the the leap here that the sap in in the branch is the Holy Spirit. A branch can stay connected to the vine and still die. It needs sap. It needs the life of the Holy Spirit running through its veins. And without the sap, the Holy Spirit, the fruit, the grapes, will not produce. And sadly then, neither will wine. Right? We need the sap. You can't just be connected by being saved. You need the constant flowing of the Holy Spirit. How many of you... My 90s kids, or parents of 90s kids, will appreciate Gushers. We're having these for hospitality this morning. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) Gushers, what makes them so delicious and unique, if you've never had one, is they look like a regular fruit snack on the outside. But when you bite into them, there's this juicy, incredible liquid on the inside, right? And I was thinking because probably because I'm pregnant about food and I was thinking about gushers and I was like, that's perfect. That's a total metaphor for the Holy Spirit. And so I went to three different grocery stores and bought out all of their gushers <laughs> for us this morning or for me. But the Holy, <laughs> the Holy Spirit in us is like a gusher right when when people bite into it when people get to know us they just are so amazed and so pleased and so enjoying what's on the inside right and there's a bunch of different f- fruit flavors so you'll find out how that ties in in a minute <laughs> so what is the liquid inside of the gusher what is the sap inside of the vine actually look and taste like? What does the Holy Spirit look and taste like in someone's life? How do we know? What evidence is there that someone is filled with sap and not just a dry, brittle branch? Well, Galatians chapter five says this. I call this the fruit versus the vegetables passage. Again, lots of food happening here today. I will explain it in a minute. So will you say with me every time you see the word spirit... In this passage, will you say it out loud with me? Can we do that? Okay, verse six. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So, If we are people, we truly are a people living with the Holy Spirit inside of us, being sanctified, we align with the fruits of the Spirit. Hence the fruity flavors of the gushers. But if we are a people not living in step with the Spirit, we are producing what I call vegetables. Okay? That whole list of stuff that's gross, that's naughty, that's wrong, those are vegetables. (laughs) Okay? Okay? And here's what I'm going to say. This side of the room, you're the fruit. This side of the room, you're the vegetable. In the middle, you're, you're a tomato. You don't know what you are, okay? <laughs> and here's the deal. When you are the fruit, let's say you're the grapes. Okay, we're also serving grapes this morning. <laughs> grapes, they're juicy, they're good, they don't need anything added to it unless you're making wine, but that's a different story. Grapes on their own are so good. Vegetables, Brussels sprouts, raw on their own, are not good, okay? I love Brussels sprouts, but you know how I like them? I like them with olive oil, a little goat cheese, some bacon, a little apple. You know, I got to doctor it up. It's got to be tasty, and that's the same things that we're reading in this scripture about the things of the flesh. We try to package them up all nice to make them look good, like they are tasty, but they're not. Right? Fruit on its own is just good. You don't have to do anything to it. This is the sin of the flesh and the work of the spirit. Many of us, like I said, we like to be a tomato. We want a little bit of this side and we want a little bit of that side. Some days I'm fruit, some days I'm vegetable. Fruits of the Spirit are produced by God, not the believer. We can't muster them up. I can't make them just happen by my will. Lord knows that there are so many times when I do not have in my power to be patient, right? And even more frustrating, as we learned with sanctification, These fruits that we're talking about, they don't just ripen overnight. Just like growing grapes, we have to pull weeds. It has to be exposed to sun and fertilizer and water. And this is not a new passage for many of you. You've heard probably tons of of messages on the fruits of the Spirit. But there's one in particular that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to bring up this morning for all of us. And it was the very last word in that list, and it's self-control. Self-control is defined this way. It's restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. And when you're a Jesus follower, self-control translates to this. It really translates to obedience. It's about not doing what I want, but doing what God wants, It's about not living the lifestyle that I want to live, but living the lifestyle that Jesus says I'm supposed to live. That is self-control. And the reason I just felt like the Lord wanted to bring this up for all of us this morning is because I'm really sick of living in a culture that just does whatever it feels like doing. I am over it. It was fun for a little bit, not so fun anymore. If you haven't gotten there yet, you will. We live in a society that makes self-control seem really, really lame. It's not cool to deny yourself of anything. If you feel it, you must validate it. If you like it, pursue it. If you want more of something, indulge. Do what feels best to you. Live your truth. Any of you watch Parks and Rec? Hashtag treat yourself. Okay. Every day is Treat Myself Day. If you don't watch it, you really should go and watch it, but you didn't hear that here. (laughs) I know that this is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. The questions I ask myself while I'm at the restaurant, should I really order that? I ask myself to my conversations with my coworkers, should I really say that? To picking what to do with my free time. Is that really the best use of my time? Is that really life-giving? To shopping on the internet. Do I really need that? It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my control. It's all about my flesh. It's all about satisfying me. What feels good to me? But the gospel in and of itself calls us to lay down what feels good to us. And to grab onto the truth of what Jesus says is good. And sometimes it feels a little bit painful and it feels a little bit like eating vegetables. But the long term, we look at the long view, is fruit. You see, friends, self-control or a lack thereof seeps into everything that we do. If we have the Spirit living living in us, we're to be known One of our markers should be a people that model restraint and moderation. If our lives are full of continuous excessive indulgences, we have to begin to wonder and ask ourselves, am I really living in step with the Holy Spirit? Am I really being sanctified? I'm having that drink. I'm looking at that website. I'm having seconds. I'm saying what I think. I'm having that hit. I'm sleeping with him or her. I'm buying that. I'm allowing myself to wallow. I'm ignoring that person. Whatever, fill in the blank. If you and I are truly being made into the image and likeness of Jesus, we have to be acting out all of the fruits of the spirit. We tend to like the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, those are nice. But we're supposed to follow all of them, not just the ones that we like. When a person becomes a Christian, they usually undergo some radical life changes, especially if they've had a significantly immoral lifestyle before, uh, before that. And through the first steps of spiritual growth and self-denial, they get rid of the large, obvious sins, okay? But it's really, really sad to say I've seen so many people just stop there. It's like, oh, I got rid of that major one and that major one, whatever that means, and then they don't go on in their, in their walk with Jesus to actually eliminate the not-so-obvious sins that clutter the landscape of their lives. An example of this is a man named Gordon McDonald. He has a book called Ordering Your Private World. And he tells of an experience in his life uh, where him and his wife buy a farm, and it's really r- it's rough. And the landscape around it, they just decide they're going to tear down the farm, and they're going to rebuild And when they do that, there's some massive boulders that they need to move. And it turns out um, that went pretty quickly. But when they moved the massive boulders, all of a sudden they were able to see what they weren't able to see before, which is all these tiny little pebbles. And if any of you have done this kind of landscaping, you know how arduous it is, and it becomes really tedious. And it takes really long and he talks about how it was, it was extremely difficult, but eventually they got to a place in their landscaping process where they were able to plant grass. And this reminded me of in uh, Rooted, in week four, there's a specific quote that I'm putting up on the, on the screen here that says this, the character transformation process hinges on our obedience. You want to be transformed? You have to obey. Obedience can be defined as courageous dependence moving into action. It is important to note you cannot do this in your own power. We have been given the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit who fills us with his strength. He helps us move through the valleys of our lives in obedience to God, which transforms our character to become more like Christ. The transformation process hinges on our obedience. We don't like that. I don't like that. You know the old song, some of you know, trust and obey. I like the trust part, the obey part, not so much. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, I'm going to kind of skip through a little bit. I'm actually going to start on verse 5. I was originally going to do this whole thing, but like I said, it's too long. So verse 5, you can go back. It's on your outline and read more. If you live your life animated by the flesh, which is your fallen, corrupt nature, then your mind is focused on the matters of the flesh. But if you live your life animated by the Spirit, God's indwelling presence, then your focus is on the work of the Spirit. A mind focused on the flesh is doomed to death, but a mind focused on the Spirit will find full life and complete peace." You see, a mind focused on the flesh is declaring war against God. When you go and you do your own thing, you are declaring war against God. That's some strong language. It defies the authority of God's law and is incapable of following his path. So it is clear that God takes no pleasure in those who live oriented to the flesh. I'm going to skip down to verse 12. So, my brothers and sisters, you owe the flesh nothing. You do not need to live according to its ways. So abandoned its, its oppressive regime. I love that. Abandon the flesh, its oppressive regime. It reminded me this morning of just thinking about how we expect our children to respond to us as parents. right? If they don't obey us, we don't feel love and respect. And it's the same with God. When his children do not obey him, we are not showing him love or respect. It's really that simple. A great question that we can all ask ourselves every day, in every moment, in every relationship is this, is the spirit glorified? In this decision, in this moment, in this action, is the spirit glorified? There's a story from C.S. Lewis. He talks about he often had a lot of uh, toothaches when he was a child. And he knew that if he went to his mom that she would, you know, give him some medication, but that ultimately she would take him to the dentist. And he figured that out after a few times when he was having issues. So then uh, you can imagine he tried to put off getting help from his mom because he didn't want to go to the dentist. He knew, it says right here, I wanted immediate relief from my pain. And this just sounds so much like us when we come to the Lord. I want immediate relief from my pain. But I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. And I knew those dentists. I knew they would start fiddling about with all sorts of other teeth which had not yet begun to ache. Our Lord is like the dentist, he says. Dozens of people go to him to be cured of some particular sin And it says, well, he'll cure it all right, but he won't stop there. That may be all you asked for, but if you once call him in, he will give you the full treatment. The main point this morning is this. You and I, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, even if we don't feel like it. You know, just in this very room, we have some incredible examples of people who went to the dentist and came out with dentures, <laughs> came out with a whole brand new set of teeth, a whole new way of living their life. There's a man in this room who was known, he, he was known for greed. He, he realized, you know, I just, I was about acquiring things. I had all kinds of toys, was accumulating wealth, I was living for myself. And then I found Jesus. And not that very day when he was saved did it all come clear, but during the process of sanctification, during the process of walking with the Lord, he began to realize, I lived in a really selfish, sinful way. And now, all I want to do is I want to give. I want to give it away. I want to serve. I don't want to be known. I don't want to be known as the, the guy that had a lot of money when I die. There's another person in this room that I know who, um, you know, she just was partying all the time. Partying, partying, partying. And she had a little girl, and her mom was really raising her. And she got saved. And again, not in that exact moment, but over time, as she kept talking with the Holy Spirit, talking with other people, she began to realize, I'm living for myself. This is all about me. This is all about what makes me feel good. I haven't I need, to, I need to raise my daughter. And so that's what she's doing now. She's raising her daughter. There's another couple in this room who was living together, and it felt fine. It felt good. Everyone else told them it was okay. They came to church. They got saved. And through, through time, they began to recognize and realize that it might feel okay to us, but that's not what the Bible says. And so I'm going to have to trust and obey and actually do that very thing. And so they got married. And they've been wildly blessed ever since. And they would tell you, we have been wildly blessed once we decided to do what the Bible said instead of doing what we wanted. That is the process of sanctification. Just in this very room, those are three stories. I could go on and on and on. There's three other Areas that are on your outline that we, I wish I had more time to unpack for you this morning. We're gonna go over really briefly. They're not listed in the fruits of the Spirit, but I believe that they are just as important. These are the three ways that we know that the Holy Spirit is residing in, in ourselves or in someone else, in addition to the fruits of the Spirit. The first is freedom. You'll see some verses there. You know, a very common one you'll hear is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Story of chains being broken of habits being gone, being set free, of being liberated. There's the the freedom of not caring what other people think anymore, only what God thinks. There is freedom that comes when we experience life with the Holy Spirit. The second thing is wisdom. Wisdom. John 16 says, the Spirit will guide you into all truth and tell you what is to come. People who have the Holy Spirit running through their veins have an incredible amount of wisdom because they're connected with the Father, and the Father says that I will make my heart and my mind and my will known to you. And so if you want to know if the Holy Spirit's running through your veins, you should have a pretty incredible amount of wisdom that you can't give credit to yourself for. <laughs> Another one is power. Power to witness and power to heal. It says in Acts, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. We are given power when the Holy Spirit comes on us to begin to testify to people about who this God is and what he's done for us and what he can do for them. We don't even go looking for it half the time. It just ends up right on our doorstep, right? In line at the grocery store or at the carpet place, <laughs> Okay. That's power, that's power to save, that's power to reach people from all nations and all cultures and all walks of life, and then to heal. Greater things will you do than I did, Jesus says. God wants us to go in authority and in power to pray and believe in healing for people. I got to do that just a few days ago. I went with a friend to Dornbecker Children's Hospital and prayed over a little boy who shouldn't even be alive right now. His eyes are permanently closed, he's on morphine, He's a third grader dying from a brain tumor. That could have been, I could have been an emotional wreck. Like I said to my friend, like, you're bringing the pregnant lady to pray over a dying kid? What's wrong with you? And I felt the power of the Holy Spirit with me. That God has given me the authority to pray over this little boy. And I don't know if he's going to be healed, but I do know that God has given me his power to heal him if that's what God wants. The challenge for you this week is look for opportunities to operate in the Holy Spirit. Be intentional. Ask God, how can I display and experience your Holy Spirit today? And he will give you opportunities. There's another scripture on your outline. We don't have time to read it together today, but I would encourage you to go home and read it. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. Incredible talking about uh, showing the love of God and that that happens through obedience. But where I want to end this morning is that there there are many of us here who have yet to come alive, to awaken to the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in that passage, John 14, it says, you are going to see me, Jesus says, because I am alive and you're about to come alive. You're about to come alive, he says to his disciples, because you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit when I leave. And so many of us, church, have not come alive We are living in our own strength and our own power. We've been producing so many vegetables instead of fruit. But we have the incredible opportunity every Sunday that we get together as a corporate group. We have a unique opportunity that we don't have when we're alone in our home. We have the opportunity to pray and believe together. To ask the Holy Spirit to do what he does best, which is to take over. Take over my operating system. Give me a fresh filling. Some of you this morning may have never asked the Holy Spirit. You got saved, but you didn't really understand or realize that there's this whole other part than just getting into heaven. <laughs> there's this whole other part about living a life that honors God, that makes other people want to follow God. And so this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that, to invite the Holy Spirit for the very first time to really be in the driver's seat. But others of us, probably the rest of us, are all here going, man, I just need a fresh filling. I've leaked. If you ever opened a Gushers bag when, and a Gushers leaked all over? It's not fun. It makes me mad. <laughs> I've leaked. And daily, I need to invite the Holy Spirit not to be resaved but to be reminded. We're never done being transformed. We're never fully sanctified until we get to heaven. But we have an advocate, the Bible says. We have the God of the universe living in us and giving us every tool we need to live a life that is full and free. We can be better today than we were yesterday. And it's not because our God wants us to be focused on some behavior-based religion. It's because out of a grateful response, it's out of a grateful response to the one who created and the one who saved us. It's a natural byproduct. We can't help it when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a natural byproduct to want to obey. I just, I just wanna live where God wants me to live. I wanna live the way God wants me to live. I can't help it. So if you'd bow your heads this morning, close your eyes. I wanna give us an opportunity to pray. And I, you know, I really, we don't do this every Sunday, um, and maybe we should, but this morning I really feel um, prompted to, to give an opportunity to anyone here who has never said yes to Jesus. You've never, you haven't even crossed the starting line of the race. You can't be sanctified because you haven't even been saved. You're not connected. If that's you this morning with no, no one's looking around, it's just me, would you, would you raise your hand and make eye contact if that's you, if you're here this morning and you've just, you've never had the opportunity, you've never fully engaged with this man named Jesus. Another group of people here this morning who I believe have probably been been living with Jesus for quite some time, but have continued to operate on their own. Yeah, I said yes to Jesus, but I really, in my daily life, I'm not living in sync and in tune with the Holy Spirit. I've never really invited him to be in charge. You want a fresh, anointing, you need a fresh experience, an experience that helps you to recognize the Holy Spirit is real and he's operating in our daily lives. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Awesome. I see several hands. That's awesome. And then the third group of people that are here this morning are people who yeah I've been saved I've been walking with the Holy Spirit but dang I do I need a fresh filling and I I need God to come in with all those fruits of the Spirit and with all his wisdom and all his power and all the freedom that he brings and I want to bear that fruit I'm struggling I need a fresh fill this morning if that's you would you raise your hand Lord, we come this morning so grateful, so in awe that you sent us the Holy Spirit to be a friend, to be an advocate, to be truth. I can't imagine life without you. And God, I pray this morning for the ones who are asking for the very first time to be filled with every bit, every ounce of your Holy Spirit sap in them. God, would you do that in your power? Would you come to them right now and would you fill them in a way that they've never felt before? All of a sudden, the reliance and walking with Jesus comes a little bit easier and a little bit lighter because they have the Holy Spirit with them. Lord, would you do that this morning? Would you release all your gifts and all your fruit in them? And Jesus, for the rest of us who are here and said, God, I cry out to you for a fresh filling, Lord, would you do that? Would you overflow in us with a desire to be obedient followers? To follow your lifestyle and not our own, not the way of the world. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. thank you for sanctifying us, for the process, this journey that we get to walk through with you and together as a church. We trust you with your Holy, your Holy Spirit guiding us every step of the way. It's in your name we pray.